does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Well, it's going to happen, folks. Bob Knight is about to come out on the Assembly Hall floor. A historic day here at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my I brought up when I talked to them before the season started about their abilities to go through the season undefeated and you're just wasting something here that uh, that you'll remember forever you guys want to make history if you want to be the one of the greatest teams of all time you got 20 minutes to prove it the basket is good and Indiana is the national champion look at here look at here Bobby Knight just threw his chair Clear across the free throw lane. And I think uh, Fred Unbelievable. He picked up another tee. You can talk about all the motivational speeches and phrases and devices in the world, but the greatest motivator of all is your ass on the bench. Coach Bob Knight means so much to Indiana basketball. He took a chance on a kid out of Indianapolis. There's nothing that I think more of during my life than having had the opportunity to coach young boys, teach them how to be men, and do it here. And I don't know how Steve feels about it, but it just and you don't have to bleep one single word of this. I've always really enjoyed the fans, and, and uh, I, I always will. You know, the, on, on my dying day, I will think about how great the fans at Indiana were. Great stuff there as we continue to memorialize the great Bobby Knight passing away at the age of 83. Uh, and let's jump on right back on to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Hall of Fame coach Roy Williams going to help us continue to remember Bobby Knight here on the fan on this Friday. Coach, a very good morning. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Hope you guys are. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you carving out a few minutes for us. I guess let's start here. The emotion when you found out a couple days ago Coach Knight uh, had passed away, and then when you think of your relationship with him, what immediately comes to mind? Well, it was a sad moment. There's no question about that. And uh, my relationship with Coach Knight was uh, one of a friend, but it was also he was one of my mentors. There's no question that uh, Coach Dean Smith was the greatest mentor I had, and my high school coach Buddy Baldwin was very involved in that as well. But uh, as a young coach, watching what Indiana did and what Coach Knight did, it was something that I appreciated and something that I admired. 
And then when I became an assistant in North Carolina, Coach Knight's relationship with Coach Dean Smith was a great one, and uh, I learned even more. Uh, And then when I became the head coach at Kansas in uh, 1989, I even called him and uh, asked if I could come up and uh, watch practice. And so I flew up there and spent the afternoon a little while with him and then watched him practice. And then we sat in the locker room, just the two of us, and uh, uh, talked for a few hours. And uh, that really uh, put it at a different level. And uh, during our during our time together, needless to say, I watched his practice, talked basketball with him. I played golf with him. Uh, I watched baseball games. Uh, no, I shouldn't say games, but I'm in – Pittsburgh, we're both doing a clinic, and uh, uh, I'm sitting up in the room and uh, watching a Major League Baseball game. I just ordered room service, and all of a sudden, bang, bang, bang. Oh, somebody's going to knock my door down, and I went to the door, and he said, what the heck are you doing, boy? I said, I'm watching a baseball game. Come on in here and sit down. Let's watch this game. And we sat down and watched the baseball game. I called room service and doubled the order so he'd have something to eat, too, and uh we competed uh, quite a bit. When I was at Kansas, we had five or six big-time games against Indiana. And uh, and so and then he went to Texas Tech, and we were in the same league. So it was a, a relationship that I admired a great deal. I was just proud of it a great deal. And uh, he treated me like I was one of his own guys. Gosh, to be a caddy in that group of you and Bob Knight on the golf course, I would have paid a lot of money uh, to be that. Coach, thank you for the time this morning. Again, Roy Williams joining us here, the Hall of Famer. Uh, let's go back to you and, and looking at you know, Coach Knight as a mentor. What was it about, whether it was uh, how he you know, ran his program, how he coached his team, that had you from afar v- viewing him in that light? Well, I just loved the way they guarded people, and I loved the way that they played a, quote, freelance passing game kind of uh, uh, offense. And so I admired that part. And so I started studying it more. And, oh, gosh, I guess in 1979, uh, I guess it was, uh, um, my first year as an assistant coach at uh, – uh, no, no, excuse me, 78, 79, at uh, North Carolina – uh, we decided uh, – I made a stupid remark. I told Coach Dean Smith, I said, I think we should have a organized preseason conditioning program. And he did like all great leaders did. He said, okay, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something right there. But I, I called Kentucky and I called Indiana and a couple other places and saw what they did and made up our own. And, and I think I copied more of uh, what Indiana's conditioning program was. And so then I got involved in it a little bit more and uh, just admired what they did on the court you know I mean uh, uh, just uh, uh, this unselfishness and the movement of the basketball and then how they did guard you and try to take you out of what you were doing so but he was so responsive and uh, even when we competed and uh, I'll never forget in uh, uh, gosh I guess this was the 93 uh NCAA tournament. Well, first of all, the 91 NCAA tournament, we um, played in the round of 16. And and, uh, I was coaching at Kansas, as I said, and we got off to a great start. And all of a sudden, the referee stopped the game, and there was a bolt coming out of the floor in the Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina. And 
they stopped the game, and uh, uh, John Clockerty was one of the officials that called us out on the court, and uh, and you could see this big bolt was just sticking up a full inch out of the court. It just something that jarred it loose, and so they had to get the crew out there to get it put back down and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, Coach Knight said, can we start the blankety-blank game over again since you guys screwed this up? And he looked at me and I said, Coach, I'd rather keep it going where it is because we're ahead like 24 to 6. And, but uh, <clears throat> so – People would say, you know, his detractors would say, well, if he, if you beat him, he's not going to like you. Well, we, we had a winning record against Coach Knight, and he still treated me like I was one of his. And so that sharing of his knowledge is uh, – John Thompson one time said about Coach Dean Smith that – what he did is he gave me his greatest gift. He shared his knowledge. Well, that's what Coach Knight did with me. And uh, even to the extent of some crazy things, uh, he comes to Lawrence when uh, he's his last year at Indiana and we play. And uh, so the night before, I went over to the hotel and took him some brownies uh, from my wife. And so two or three years later, you know, he's coaching at Texas Tech and now he's in our league and he comes in and they didn't get there till really late. And so uh, uh, the next night we're getting ready to play the game and, you know, he came out very late uh, in the pregame, just right before the game started. And so I was down on the end of the court waiting on him. And so we, he said hello and hugged me, and he said, where's Wanda? <laughs> and I said, Coach, she's right down here. She sits on the tent row up behind our bench. And so he walks down there, and, and this is, you know, guys, this is 15 seconds before the game starts. And press rows right there, the scores table's right there, and he looked up at Wanda and yelled, hey, where's my blankety-blank brownies? <laughs> <laughs> That's and great. everybody just cracked up. So he was – a guy that I enjoyed uh, uh, when he did get in the league, we'd go to the conference meetings and we would uh, we'd be out playing golf one time at Colorado Springs. And I said, Coach, we can play nine more and still get to the meeting when we have to be there because otherwise we're just going to stand around and talk. And he said, let's play nine more. So it was just the two of us and we played nine more holes. And he said, I said, we've got plenty of time now. He said, why don't we play nine more and skip the whole blessed thing? <laughs> and, uh, but his sharing of the knowledge is the greatest thing you can do to someone. And he did that and he knew that I liked uh, baseball. Uh, enjoyed playing golf perhaps more than he did. I made him sign a, uh, a big bet that he lost and I made him sign the, the bill and he wrote on it the next blankety blank time we're going to play tennis. And uh, <laughs> So he was just a guy that I really enjoyed and learned a great deal from and was very appreciative of what he did for me. He's Roy Williams. He's sharing plenty of stories, and we're very grateful for his time here on this Friday morning about Bob Knight and, and the legendary career and the relationship that he had, uh, certainly on the court and off the court as well with him. Coach, is the story true that at one point you almost joined the Indiana staff with Coach Knight? It's, it's really a funny thing, especially to Coach Knight, but... Uh, you know, in the early 80s, particularly if any athletic director needed a basketball coach, they talked to either Coach Smith or Coach Knight before they made a decision. And so I'd been as the part-time assistant, which was full-time job, part-time pay is what it was. But, uh, I mean, people don't believe this, but my first year in North Carolina, I made $2,700 <laughs> for the whole year. So I, was, I sold calendars 
I drove copies of TV shows. I mean, I just did everything like that. So the financial part of it wasn't very good, but uh, it's like my third year, I guess it was. And uh, uh, Coach Smith came in and said, I just got off the phone with Bob, and I think, you know, and I might miss the year or something like that, but I think Joby Wright was leaving Indiana. And uh, so he said, I just got off the phone with Bob, and he and I talked because Joby Wright's leaving. And, you know, I do have a lot of talk. I talk to a lot of athletic directors about job, and Bob does also. If you're worried about the finances and, uh, you know, he would take you as an assistant coach with, with the two of us, you would have a chance, a lot better chance to get a head coaching job. And he says, if you're going to be patient, he said, I want you to stay here, but I know how difficult it is financially. And I said, Coach, I said, I think I'm fine, but uh, let me think about it. I'll go home and talk to Wanda. And so when I came back the next day, I said, Coach, I think I'm going to stay right here because I've helped recruit these players and I'm going to be okay. Whatever I have to do financially, we'll make it. I don't need a lot of money kind of thing. And so then I think that was the year that the book came out, Season on the Brink or something like that. And so Wanda read the thing. She came, I came, she said, boy, I said, I'm really glad we didn't make that move. You know, cause it, wasn't, it wasn't very flattering about Coach Knight. So several years later, I told him what, what had happened. I told him what Wanda had said. And he said, well, you know, she's a hell of a lot smarter than you are. <laughs> so, but uh, I didn't even mind telling him something like that because I think our friendship was that good. And, uh, and uh, gosh, I guess this was 93. We played in the NCAA tournament, and it was Probably, you know, the 16 or it could have been the Elite Eight. You know, how the NCAA, you know, the tournaments, you, they announced both the uh, teams, introduced both teams, and then they introduced the coaches, and we're supposed to go to the center line right in front of the score table and shake hands. And so they introduced us, and Coach Knight forgot about it. And so he'd already turned around and was back in his huddle. So I walked all the way down to his bench. I didn't stand at the center line and wait on him. I didn't wave him off or anything. I walked down the bench, and I said, Big fella, I respect you so much. I don't mind walking down here at your age. And he cursed me a little bit and shook my hand, and everybody was laughing, you know. So I turned around and walked back all the way back down to my bench, and I get down there, and Joe Holliday said, Coach, and he pointed. And it was Coach Knight. He said, you little blankety-blank. He said, I respect your blankety-blank enough that I'm going to walk down to your bench, too. And we hugged. And it's a great picture that I have of the of the two of us at that moment. So he was uh, uh, just incredible. And he he was so, so loyal to his players and what happened with them. And if it was good or bad, he stuck with so many of them for such a long time. His knowledge of the game and the way he, he helped people, he was uh, he was a fun guy for me to be with. He really was. Roy Williams with us here on the fan, just great stuff. And and coach, I, I love the blankety blank when you say that. It makes us smile in here, thinking of Bobby Knight and the different words, no doubt, uh, the colorful colorful uh, words that no doubt he was using basketball wise. Whether it be the way he ran practice, you mentioned the way they guarded, the way his teams passed, played as a team, uh, what did you and other coaches, basketball-wise, get from Bobby Knight? Well, on the offensive end, you know, the the freelance passing game and the motion offense, I forget which one that Coach Knight called it, but he was the first guy to do that, in my opinion, at such a high level. And I enjoyed that. At the end of my career, I was fortunate enough to be a head coach 33 years. We still called 
fewer set plays than just about anybody. And it's just because uh, what I learned from Coach Knight and what Dad, what Coach Smith put in, because we did a lot of freelance at North Carolina. And uh, uh, Coach Knight's was much more motion. Uh, Coach Smith put in a few more screens. I did a little bit of both. Uh, but the the basis of it was what Coach Knight did there. And and he said so many things to me that really just stuck with me. But one of those things that I liked about the, uh, what we called our passing game, passing and screening, and it's just the freelance of it is the other team couldn't scout it because I didn't know what we were going to do. So if I didn't know what to do, the other team, sure the Dickens didn't know what they were going to do. So I thought that was beneficial to us. And, and on the defensive end, uh, uh, I really loved an aggressive defense. And Coach uh, Knight's one pass away, hand in the passing lane, one pass away tough is what we called it. He would take people out of their offense. And that was what Coach Smith wanted to do defensively is to take people out of their offense, not allow them to run what they practiced every day. And so for me, that was the foundation of what I did defensively with my teams for 33 years is to try to take them out of their offense and not let them do what they wanted to do. And so for me, uh, that was the absolute foundation of the defense here. Now, I pushed the fast break uh, a little more than Coach Smith did and a lot more than Coach Knight did because I really enjoyed that when I was a player. The only problem was I wasn't very good, but still that's what I enjoyed and I wanted to play that way. So even that uh, was something that was extremely important and I leaned on what I'd heard Coach Knight say, what he and I had talked about it. And he told me one time, he he made one statement, he said, we don't full court press because I think it's it's easier to defend half the basketball floor than it is the whole basketball floor. Hmm. If you pick up full court and full court press, you open up so many things by getting down to the against this defense that's not set. And so that was that was for me. I mean, we probably full court pressed less than any team in the country in my thirty three years. Uh, that was a successful team. Now we, we you know, sometimes we got beat because we didn't do it as well as we needed to, but I truly believe trying to defend the half court as opposed to the full court and that came directly from Coach Knight and uh it was uh, uh, something that uh, I called him and we'd talk about it. And uh, we'd be together on the road or in a conference meetings or something or meet in Indiana one time. Uh, Coach Smith and I set up a golf match with uh, Coach Knight and Ted Bishop at the, uh, oh gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the golf course. That they Legends? Go on. Legends, yeah. Uh, right south of Indianapolis. And uh, it's one of the few times that Coach Smith really got mad at me <laughs> it, uh, because we were going to be, uh, the game started at 2 o'clock. And uh, he said, I'll pick you up. We want to play at about 9 o'clock or something like that, and or t- or 8 o'clock. And I said, no, I'll drive over, Coach. And he said, no, there's no need doing that because we were staying at the same hotel. And I said, no, I'll drive her up. I said, you and Coach Knight will decide to play nine more holes. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot miss the games. I said, I'm not quite worried. You guys are, to say the least. And this is fairly late. I mean, we'd we'd been pretty successful, too. But uh, I just said, no, you guys. He said, no, we won't do it. And I said, Coach, yes, you will. I said, I'll just meet you over there. And so, sure enough, Coach Smith pulled in, and I pulled in right beside of him. 
and uh, we get out of the car, and Coach Smith got his clubs, and we started walking. He said, where's your clubs? And I said, uh, Coach, I'm just going to rent a set of clubs. And Coach Smith didn't like my answer. Okay. And he said, where are your shoes? And I said, I'm just going to play in these, these my running shoes. And Coach Dean Smith jumped at me and said, this is serious. <laughs> just like that. And uh, so we go out and we play. We play 18. And I played maybe as good a golf round as I played. It, you know, at one time I thought I could really play, but I played really well this day. And so sure enough, I leave and drive back because those two rascals, they decided to play nine more holes. Sure, like I sure. And so I get, I'm sitting at the game and Coach Smith came in and sat down beside me. And all of a sudden, this big rascal gets in behind me and sort of knees me in the back, sort of pushes me out of the way and leans over and starts calling me every name in the book. And uh, uh, I said, Coach Knight, it's good to see you again, too. You know, this kind of thing. But uh, just the, the way that they their, their relationship was something that I admired, uh, but also that how competitive it was just for us on the golf course. <laughs> so for me, it was two-sided. I never had anything with Coach Knight that I didn't, if it was anything negative, I'd call him about it, and then and, and we'd talk about it. But majority of the time, 99% of the time, it was just him uh, trying to take care of his team, but also caring and taking care of Roy Williams. And when Coach Smith passed away, uh, I called Coach Knight myself. I called three or four people, and Coach Knight was one of them. And I'm mad at myself because this summer I didn't call him Last summer, I did call him, and we had a chance to visit. And, you know, I knew things weren't going as well, but uh, he was uh, uh, he would be in and out about what we were talking about. But it was uh, it was good, and I'm just mad at myself that I didn't call him back this summer. But I have Sean May played for us, and Sean was on my staff. And then when I retired, and Sean is still there. And Sean and his dad would talk almost every night. And uh, so I would know a little bit more about how Coach Knight was doing than a lot of other people. It's one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history is Roy Williams talking about another one of the greatest college coaches uh, ever in Bob Knight. And Roy, very gracious with his time here on this Friday morning. Last one for me, Coach. Um, obviously some epic matchups. Maybe some matchups Indiana fans would like to forget in the 90s between you guys and Indiana. Some tournament games. But also, you guys started a four-game series, right, with IU there mm-hmm. in the 90s. I, I don't know, maybe the IU-Kentucky drama right now of like, when are they going to play each other? Where are they going to play it? Maybe that kind of brings us more into light. But I'm curious how that started between you guys and Indiana. It was really easy. He called me and said, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I said, okay. And so we had one game in Kansas City, one game in Indianapolis, one game in Bloomington, and one game at Lawrence. And uh, uh, we were fair fortunate. We won three of those four games. And that's what I started to say. I mean, we did okay uh, my teams against Coach Knight's teams, and you know his detractors would always have some negative things to say. But even when I'll give you the, one of the funniest one, and I'll shut up and let you guys go on to somebody that's a heck of a lot better than me. So no, no, win, you keep going. We win the game in Lawrence on the last second shot, and Coach Knight and I had talked, and he was thinking about uh, 
changing shoes because he didn't like either the shoes or the relationship or something. I have it's I can't remember if he even told me it wasn't my business, but he said, "What do you think about what you have?" And so um, I said, "Yeah, Coach, I really like these." And I can't even remember what it was at that time, whether I was still with Converse or I'd just gone with Nike. And I said, "Why don't I get you a pair and let you look at them?" I said, "I'll send them down to your locker room." He said, well, send them size 14, I think, because that was Pat's size. And I said, okay. So after the game, and I mean, we win the game on the last second shot. My son is like uh, 13, 14 years old. And so he's standing back in the locker room, and I yelled at him to come down there. And I said, take these down and stand outside the locker room and give these to Coach Knight. And he said, <laughs> give these to coach Knight, <laughs> and i said yeah just Smart tell kid. him who you are he said dad you you dad you think he's i said son he'll be all right with you i mean he's mad just like i'd be mad after a game but just go down there and so scott said, and it was scott and i laugh about this to this day because he said he's walking down he says why does my daddy want me to go down there and get killed it's <laughs> so, a great story he goes down there and he's standing outside the locker room and he's got this box of shoes and uh so coach knight comes out and scott steps in and said i'm sorry we said my dad's real coach Roy, he told me to bring you these shoes <laughs> i mean <laughs> coach knight told me he said he'd never heard a young kid talk so fast and try to shove the shoes in his hand and get out of there and so coach knight put his arm around and said son thank you he's our said, you tell your dad, I'll talk to him later, but thank you. And he said, I'm not going to bite your head off. <laughs> That's great. God came running back up there, and I said, how'd it go? He said, Dad, I was scared to death. I said, what was he? He said, that's Bobby Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Knight after a loss, uh, after after a close loss, not just Bobby yeah, Knight. That's uh, a loss, a last second shot. So, oh. <clears throat> But no, nothing but great memories. And even when he would do things that uh, – Later on, he might even not think he had done the right thing himself. As far as I was concerned, Bob Knight uh, was one of our greats. Uh, Dean Smith was my mentor. But if I I was going to pick a second one that I copied things from, I'm not intelligent enough to be an innovator. Coach Smith was very innovative. Coach Knight was innovative. And Roy Williams was a copier. But those are the two guys that I copied more than all the rest of the people put together and like i say guys uh, i'll miss him but i'll think great thoughts about the fun times we've had together and even when he's sitting behind me with his knees in my back cussing me <laughs> even when he's banging on my door trying to break the door down and everything else and even when he's yelling at my wife where are my effing brownies i'm, still <laughs> going, to, I'm going to remember great things about him and be um, admire very much what he did so i appreciate you uh, allowing me to visit with him about a second Coach, we appreciate the time this morning. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, great stories. Uh, I hope your health is well. Hope to see you at a bunch of North Carolina games this year. Thank you and take care. Thanks, appreciate Coach. It. Right. You guys have a great day. Thank you very much. That is the great, Fantastic. legendary Roy Williams. Uh, Andy, I don't know <laughs> if we have ever had, or I yeah, I don't want to speak for yourself, we've ever had, um, I guess, just... No. 
tell stories and tell stories and tell stories. And I wanted that to go till 10. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, uh, yeah. If to hell could. with the Colts and Panthers. I sorry, know. Colts. Yeah, sorry. sorry, Bryce Young and Frank Reich. Sorry, Greg. Greg Rankstraw coming up next. <laughs> Get Rankstraw yeah. out of here. How's Rankstraw going to talk about the 6A sectional after this? Yeah. I don't know if Cathedral <laughs> LN, Rake on the call of that, has the same story. Oh, that was fantastic. Right, Good job, dude. Mark. Uh, Ma- Mark, tell the story about you texting him and him calling you back while you're holding your daughter yesterday. So this was back when I worked, uh, when it was the Jeff and Big Joe show, and I was doing post-show stuff, and all of a sudden the, fo- the guest line rang one time, and I was like, hello? And he's like, hi, this is uh, Coach Roy Williams. I'm calling for Dan Dockage. And I was like, oh. So I, I ran to Dan. I was like, hey, uh, Roy Williams on the phone. He's like, oh, crap, we're doing a pre-tape. I forgot. So I had the nu- the number was on the screen. I'm like, this is probably like a North Carolina, you know, like office number. Yeah, so I'm writing, I'll number. write it down yeah. anyway. Yeah. So I was going through just contacts yesterday. And I was like, you know what? The hell with it. I'm just going to shoot a text. I said, hey, coach, no, don't know if you have any time. If you'd like to talk about Coach Knight, I don't even know if this is your number. Let me know. So I'm picking up my oldest, Addison, at uh, at school, putting her on my shoulders. My phone rings. I look down. It says, Roy Williams, North Carolina. I was like, holy crap, do I answer this? And I answer. He's like, hello, this is uh, Coach Roy Williams. And told me a whole story about he's like yes it'd be an honor to come on and talk, to, talk some to, uh, talk some mall and about bob knight with you guys and, and this and that and stuff so he was even apologizing sorry if i went along with you guys like that was phenomenal no, radio no, was, you don't have to no. apologize for anything absolutely incredible all right back at in the drive huber.com studios busy busy night to, uh, tonight i should say on the fan coming up at 5 30 of colts happy hour pacers and cleveland cavaliers coming your way at 6 30 it's a busy night a lot of high school football obviously college football tomorrow colts and panthers on sunday all right here on the fan let's get greg Gregstraw up uh, patient with us as we were talking to roy williams he joins us on the pay less liquors hotline greg Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, fellas, and thanks for the extra 30 minutes of sleep today. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Sorry we had to bump you as Roy Williams, you know? It, it, it's I've Roy. I've been bumped for far worse than Roy Williams. Trust me, we're good. Fair, fair, fair enough. Uh, it would be stupid for me to lead with anything else. Uh, obviously, I know you have to have something Bobby Knight-wise. Uh, him passing away, any story, any thought you had as a legendary Bobby Knight passed away at 83? Well, Andy, you and I have similar backgrounds, having spent so much of our lives in southern Indiana and being in the Louisville area, where truly that area was a melting pot. Uh, And I consider myself so lucky that I grew up in the time of UofL basketball at its peak, Indiana University basketball at its peak. Yep. Amazingly, Kentucky basketball has been so good, you wouldn't say the Joe B. Hall era was its peak, even though they won the title in 78. But let's think about this. Um, again, I'm a little bit older than both of you guys, but in a four-year span, Kentucky, Louisville, and Indiana all won a national championship from 78 through 81, and that's the era that I got to grow up in. So you had fans that were talking about their national title in the last five years that all kind of live in that area. So I grew up as a University of Louisville fan. I'm, I'm now 30 years removed from that, not so much now. But to have that passion and that interest in college basketball and Bob Knight being such a part of it is just tremendous. Now, from a professional standpoint, remarkably, my career as a daily sports talk show host um, basically began three weeks after Bob Knight was fired. And so we would talk about like the aftermath of Bob being fired and that first Mike Davis team and then Mike Davis being the, you know, the heir apparent to Bob after that. 
Um, but but I never got to say cover one of his press conferences. Um, I, I can tell you the stories from having you know watched the video, seen the newscast, read the newspaper, etc. But I never had to live it. So my experience with Bob Knight is more as a fan or as someone that has now been kind of looking backwards in the rearview mirror for the last 23 years. And so even though I, I don't do a daily talk show anymore, I still have kind of have that prism as to how I look at things. And so in thinking about this, and I was going to be doing three hours at some point over the last couple of days. I think the way that I would have handled it would have been this. I would have tried to acknowledge the man's flaws but focus more on what the you know overwhelming positive things were just because that's the respect that I think I try to have for somebody in passing because we all make mistakes. But here are the things that I think we could acknowledge, that he is one of the best basketball coaches to ever grace the face of the earth. You could say he is one of the greatest coaches of American team sports. I think I heard Mike Greenberg mm-hmm. uh, use that phrase yesterday and was absolutely spot on. That, that, is, that is the right way in which to look at that. And there were so many people that he helped, whether it's his players, people that just were around the program, that he made their lives better. The charitable things that he did, those are all great. Doesn't mean you can completely wash over the bad things, but to me, in the man's passing... Let's talk about so many things that unquestionably are better today because of the impact of Bob Knight. I think that's really well said, Rake. Craig Regstraw here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Shifting gears, Rake. I actually want to go back to last Friday because it, it, it might get lost in the shuffle of the tournament as it plays out the rest of the month of November. But, boy, that fourth quarter of Ben Davis-Brownsburg, Rake, had to be one of ones that you really have never seen uh, with that comeback. Yeah, I've got to be honest with you, 25-7, I'm not thinking it's comeback time. I'm thinking, man, this Brownsburg team is really good, and Ben Davis is a good team that just, you know, did not have a good night uh, because if that had gone the opposite direction, Ben Davis would have been complicit in their own demise. They had three turnovers. They had numerous drop passes. And part of the storyline going into that game is Ben Davis's quarterback and Thomas Gotkowski got hurt in Week 8. Because they were playing North Central, they didn't feel the need to rush him back in week nine. Then you have the bye week. He really hadn't played a full game in four weeks. And you could kind of see that rust and just, you know, for whatever reason, kind of mentally, Ben Davis was, was, was not as crisp as they normally would be offensively. And Brownsburg took advantage of that. But the truly big story of that game for Ben Davis was the fact that Nylon Brown returned, who was their unquestioned defensive leader, he had not played since that IMG game back in week number four. Just his ability to kind of know where everything is going and kind of sniff out those plays. Garrett Sherrill had several big carries. He had a 45-yarder, a 65-yarder. But I thought Kyle Nedren did a great job of pointing this out in his game recap earlier this week. Of his 25 carries, 18 of them were for three And so Ben Davis made enough solid plays defensively Mark Zachary made the big play defensively that completely changed the tenor of that game. That game went from 25-7 to 25-20 in the span of about 25 seconds. And, and I don't think that Brownsburg 
truly ever recovered from that haymaker of Zachary jumping that route, running to the end zone, and making it a one-score game with 8.50 left to go. Greg Regstraw with us here on The Fan. It's a football Friday. We'll get to Matt Taylor in about 15 minutes. Uh, Rake, what game do you have tonight? And then, I mean, obviously, uh, all these sectional games, uh, what are the few that stick out to you that you can't wait to see? Well, the great thing is, is as the tournament gets you know, you know more compact and fewer teams, the level of game continues to get better. So my game is Cathedral and L, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, Cathedral playing up a couple of classes at this point in terms of playing in 6A. Um, they are a team that it, it's rare that they kind of fly under the radar. I think they are. Uh, and again, Danny O'Neill is certainly a, a Mr. Football candidate. I'd say one of the leading candidates. You know, he holds all the passing records that Cathedral is going to play for Deion Sanders out in Colorado next year. He can really go 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He also has over 500 yards rushing. He's their second leading rusher on the season. LN is a talented team. They're a young team. They elected to make a move back to their starting quarterback the last couple of years in Montez Jones. He's got a talented player behind him in Tanner Aspilette. They try to move kind of Montez, the wide receiver and defensive back, to, hey, let's get our 11 best athletes on the field. They made a move midseason to put Jones back at that quarterback position, and it seemingly has sparked their offense. So let's see exactly what LN can do tonight. I, I think I think Cathedral is a favorite, but it wouldn't be a stunner if LN wins the game. Those two teams are not that far apart. That should be a good game. In terms of other games that get your attention locally, the Mudsock game, version two, Fishers and HSC, that is a big deal. Uh, Chittard, again, they're going to be the favorites, Camelton Heights. But their path, if Chittard wins the 3A championship and they are the favorite, their path will be as difficult as I think maybe any team's ever had uh, because they're going to play their second unbeaten team of the tournament uh, at now 11-0 Hamilton Heights, and John Kirshner has that team defensively playing exceedingly well. Mount Vernon New Pal comes to mind in 4A. Um, let me see, Harrison and Decatur Central should be really good in terms of 5A. 48 games around the state. There's tons of good ones from north to south all the way across our state tonight. Okay, Greg Rakestraw is with us here. LN Cathedral, as you just said, that's the game that he's got tonight. Rick, I did want to make sure that we honestly just kind of alerted people of this more than anything. I disagree with it. I don't. Uh, you've got a little bit more of a conflict of interest, so I totally understand you probably don't want to comment on it. But the state finals starting this weekend with volleyball and certainly football and basketball, they will not. They will now be streaming only. Uh, now this has to do with the Bally Sports ineptness, and then kind of a trickle down effect off of that. Um, so it'll be $15 per game approximately or $20 for the entire sessions here once we get to state final season. Uh, obviously, I know a lot of people that Friday of Thanksgiving, the Saturday of Thanksgiving, it's kind of a tradition to watch Rake and, and, and view those games. Uh, but Rake, anything else I'm missing from a announcement from the IHSA earlier this week? Because I just think, frankly, people need to know about it and not be right. kind of blindsided by it when that time comes around. Correct. And again, this weekend, the Volleyball State Finals, this was kind of the first event that normally would have been televised. You know, most all state finals have been streamed for well over a decade at this point. But the television package over the last few years has been with Valley Sports Indiana. And last year's televised state finals included volleyball, football, wrestling, girls basketball, boys basketball, and baseball. Now everything will be through the IHSA Champions Network and IHSATV.org. Uh, and, and usually there's one game price, and then for basically just a, a few dollars more, 
you know, if you buy the entire weekend or the entire day, like tomorrow's four state finals, it is a much cheaper price on a per game basis. You're really better off just buying the entire day so you can kind of go back and, and, and watch whatever the case may be. Part of this is, is that to be blunt, Valley Sports Indiana paid a sizable amount of money to the IHSA for those rights, but then also it was on the IHSAA then to produce those events to a um, you know, similar level of television. Uh, and, and Kevin, as you know, it takes a lot of money to produce quality television. There's a lot of investment that goes into it. Um, and so when that money wasn't going to go from Bally's to the IHSAA, the IHSA made the conscious decision, let's not spend a similar amount of money to produce these things for television. As the trend is going more online and smart TVs and watching via your phone, laptop, whatever the case may be, that's how things played out. And so everything will be available via stream. You can watch it from anywhere in the world. And I know there are going to be people unhappy about this, and I understand. I know people are not going to get it, and I understand. I just hope that uh, the work that I do as both a broadcaster and, frankly, my production company and ISC is responsible for producing not all of these, but a good chunk of them. We're producing the Volleyball State Finals tomorrow up in Muncie. I hope the work that we do and the stories of the student-athletes are to get people to maybe take an extra step to go online and watch these state finals in a slightly different format and fashion. Rick, we don't typically go go down this path with you, but I thought the comments from Ryan Walters last night were really, really interesting on his coach's show. And we're going to play that audio for you and for all of our listeners that missed it. But you know, obviously, Purdue and Michigan this Saturday night, we know full well uh, where Michigan is at in the news cycle right now with Connor Stallions and their you know, stealing of signals and doing it in person and all of that. Um, I want to play this Ryan Walters audio because I thought it was very candid, very honest, and probably one of the first coaches that I have heard really be publicly upfront about this. Uh, it's been in the news here the last few weeks. Uh, certainly there's an investigation going on with uh, Michigan and the fact that apparently they've had people coming out and buying tickets to games and where you're not supposed to do that. Uh, as a result of that, are you doing anything different on Saturday night to prepare for what could be happening on the other side yeah absolutely um you know it's it's unfortunate um and, and what's crazy is it's there aren't allegations like it, it happened you know yeah. what i mean and and you know there's video evidence there's um ticket purchases and sales that you can track back and you know we know for a fact that they were at a number of our games um and so you know we've had to teach our guys a new language in terms of um, some signals and, and we will operate differently offensively like we might you might see us in a huddle yeah. um, for the for the first time this season um, so it is it is what it is but uh, we're excited to go play and I think it will make for a great story Again, I thought very honest there Rake from yeah. Ryan Walters um, either take it if you want to go in that direction, feel free to take that. The other question I'd throw in there is, in the next month and a half, do you think we see any sort of punishment come down from the Big Ten or the NCAA? Uh, I, I think the Big Ten hopes that Jim Harbaugh moves back to the National Football League <laughs> and kind of beats the posse out of town, is my guess, uh, and, and that this kind of goes away. Because clearly I think there is growing frustration amongst the Big Ten membership that nothing has been done from the home office in Chicago on this. I thought that was a very... Um, I thought that was a very honest answer without getting overly emotional about it. I thought that was a wonderful answer by Coach Walters. Um, And let me leave you with this on this topic and for our conversation today. If I drop the old phrase, things that make you go, hmm, 
you guys might not be old enough to immediately think of either Arsenio Hall or CNC Music Factory. I am, and I might request that song on the JMB Takeover tomorrow night and have the conversation for the room that is next to you. But is that the reason why Michigan struggled so much in the COVID season? Because they couldn't buy a ticket to go watch these games? It's a great point. It's funny you say that. Also, someone mentioned that TCU, in the prep for their semifinal game last year, they had that month break, of course, and they they retooled all, all their signals because they, they they had heard right. about this. So it, it is funny that you mentioned that, Rake. So just just something to think about. Yeah. Because it hit me last night, and I go, Michigan wasn't very good that year. Right. Huh. Amazing how that works. That is that is very interesting. All right, Ray, great stuff. Thanks for being flexible with us. Am I seeing this correct? Is is the first college basketball game of the season the Jags and Spalding coming up Monday at eleven a.m. Is that right? Uh, if, we're, if, if if we have the first eleven a.m. tip off, it's us, Bubba. It is us. Look at yes. that. Uh, you know that 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 Division One versus Division Three showdown at the Indiana <laughs> Farmers Coliseum. Hell yeah! I think there's four hundred games on Monday to kick off college nice. basketball and IUPUI and. Spalding underway at 11 a.m. Right, great stuff. Have a great call tonight with Ellen Cathedral, and uh, we'll certainly be listening on Sunday to the postgame show. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, wow, been a busy, busy morning. Uh, we are going to, and KB, jump in here if you want. We're going to be replaying Roy Williams at about 9.30-ish. Yeah, yeah, just uh, a little bit after 9.30. Such a great conversation earlier today. Literally told stories for 25 <laughs> minutes. It was the easiest interview I think you and I have ever done, but I just found myself not wanting it to end and listening. We will give away Freebie Friday Jiffy Lube oil yep. change coming up. Uh, at the end of the morning, check down here a little bit before that. You've got a Bob Knight related trivia question. Yes, we'll to get give to, that we, we, away. Yeah, right? we, we can do that as well. I'll be going to Jiffy Lube after the show with the wife's car today. Look at that! A little, little oil change. How about that? Sounds like Sweeney a Friday. Household. What a great Friday! What a beautiful Friday! Uh, let's go on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Big one this weekend. Colts on the road. Uh, need to stop the bleeding at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Mate Matt Taylor joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He'll be on the call. Matt, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. I got to echo. I was driving in, uh, listening to all those stories by Roy Williams. Tip of the cap to him. Yeah. Tip of the cap to you guys. Great interview. Great listen. Really enjoyable. Just just awesome radio. Good job. Uh, appreciate it. That was all Mark Dighton uh, setting that up. Roy Williams, uh, fantastic. Uh, Bobby Knight passing away. Come on. I know you got to have a Bobby Knight story. No, he let's does. go. Let's go, He told Maytay. me about it in the locker room. All right. Let's go, Mate. <laughs> Nothing like a basketball camp Bob Knight story. <laughs> so I'm... I'm probably 12 years old, 11, 12 years old, and a couple of buddies uh, in the summer, uh, early, early to mid-June, uh, we, go, we go down to Bob Knight Basketball Camp um, in Bloomington. So we're on cloud nine, right? We're staying in the dorms. We're with the players. Luke Reckers, my camp counselor. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just, you know, an unbelievable time. And this is back when, uh, you know, you're, you're still playing probably the, the late stages of Little League Baseball. And this is back when kids played Little League Baseball. It's not like travel ball now. So right back then, you know, in April and May, you would play the Little League Baseball schedule. Then you would go into All-Stars, right? So I, I made the All-Star team, the Little League that I was at. And we had we had a, an All-Star game or an All-Star tournament that kind of overlapped with one of the uh, days that I was going to be at Bob Knight Basketball Camp. So 
it just kind of worked out that we were playing like down in Ellettsville or you know Edgewood or somewhere that was reasonable. That you know, my dad would pick me up um, in the middle of the afternoon uh, at, at, at down in Bloomington at Bob Knight basketball camp. We would go to the All Star game, and then he drove me back. And I don't remember the particulars, but that's basically what happened. So there was every night of, of like a four-day basketball camp down in Bloomington, every night there was like an all-camp meeting at like 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock p.m. So my dad drives me back. I get back like at 9.50. So I hurry upstairs. I change out of my Little League baseball uniform. Um, I, I go get into some like street clothes, uh, and I think I'm going to get to this meeting on time. Well, it's like 10.01, and you know how that goes, right? So it's like, do I go to this meeting? Do I not? Like, am I going to get reprimanded if I don't show up? So I sneak in the back door, and I think I'm okay. And the back door kind of like latches or clicks mm-hmm. as I walk in, and yep. it makes a noise. And, yep. you know, Bob Knight is up there talking to the entire camp. You're talking like 200, 300 kids. And I'm here in the back, and the door clicks, and every head in the camp turns and looks at me. And I'm 12 years old, and I don't know what in the world Bob Knight said to me, but he just eviscerates me as a 12-year-old. I have no idea to this day yes. what he says to me, and I'm sure he kind of watered it down for, for the age bracket that I was in at the time. I don't but know if he did or not, yeah, to be honest I, yeah, with I you. I kind of believe I would take the under on that. He probably didn't. And the thing is, like, I'm trying to be, like, respectful. I'm trying to be, like, you know, prompt. And, you know, I'm conscious of, of what it means to be on time. And he just gave me a lesson lesson on that with, with me being, you know, one minute late and, and all of that stuff. And I, I called my dad the next day. I'm like, I told you I should have gotten this meeting. You know, I know we were going to be late. But, uh, you know, for the next, you know, day and a half or whatever, uh, the remainder of that camp, like, I was the kid that got chewed out by Bob Knight. So I guess I wore that with, with, uh, with a badge of honor. So uh, I I have no idea what he said, no recollection of what 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 was uh, coming my way, but I just remember I was the kid that got ye- got yelled out by an iconic Mount Rushmore head coach. I'm glad you didn't pee your pants, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm sure I did, actually. <laughs> Man, I'm tell- I, 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 you know, at the time, you're 12 years old, that had to be horrifying, but now looking back at it as an adult, if you had to pick one thing, being crushed verbally by Bobby Knight oh, is, an awesome, yeah. is an awesome memory to have. I gotta be honest, it's fantastic. Good for you good for yeah. you yeah and, and that's the thing like we were on cloud nine going to that camp like we, we were just so excited to like be given iu branded apparel as as campers and uh, like i said you know luke wrecker was my camp counselor back in those days you had uh like luke jimenez and um you know kevin helped me out some of those teams of players like on the 96 97 the guyton i guess yeah you know michael probably. lewis yeah, yeah, Michael Lewis was on that. Rocking the red that, sweater last night for Ball State's exhibition game. I saw. Absolutely. So yeah, we were. You know, the camp you had. You had one of the year camp games was at Assembly Hall, which was just amazing. You know, most of the games were at the Hyper. Um, yeah, just a, a really, really great time. And, and unfortunately, it coincided with a stupid All Star game that then turned into an epic story. That is such a great twelve year old story there from Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Sees off to Charlotte tomorrow. It's Colts and Panthers. Four oh five kick coming up. So our coverage will begin at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Maytay, a week ago Friday, your analogy I absolutely loved. Uh, unfortunately for the Colts, the dead battery did find a charge, and that was uh, the New Orleans Saints offensively certainly uh, hitting its stride. The Colts defense struggling mightily in that one. Tell me you've got another analogy ready for Colts and Panthers coming up. 
Oh man, no, I, I don't have one that's 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 top of mind here. I guess you know with the Panthers sitting here at one and six, um, you know may, maybe they're like Frankenstein, you know, <laughs> have it, huh? with their first win and, and it's, it's Halloween a couple of days ago. I suspect you know they're 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 coming off the mat there. They were you know flirting with uh, their worst start in franchise history, and it's it sounds crazy to say, but you know they're one and six. They do have a little bit of momentum getting their first win last week. The fact that they play in the NFC South, which is, you know, none of those teams in that division, you know, none of those four teams are going to run away with anything. Uh, I think Frank Reich's going to that playbook of, listen, guys, I mean, we're here and we, we, we've earned uh, where we are right now. But, you know, in 2018, we were one and five. In 2021, we were one and four. And, and both of those seasons, we got back into the mix. They still got nine games to go. The, the entire second half of their season uh, is, is out there waiting for them. Uh, plus, their division's not very good, so believe it or not, they still have everything to play for, and they're trying to get on a roll or start a roll, and it starts you know, this Sunday against the, uh, the, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Colts are trying to do the exact same thing. So this is a pivotal game. It's a monster game for both teams, kind of a swing game, just like last week's game was against the Saints. Matt Taylor with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You look at the last three games, 37 points, the Jags, the Browns score 39 against the Colts, the uh, the Saints score 38. Uh, we've talked a lot about the offense and, and that sort of thing, but the defense, to me, uh, is kind of you know talking point number one. What do you hope to see from the defense on Sunday? Yeah, it's it's really kind of you know tip. Whatever you want to say, topsy turvy, uh, upside down. Um, you know this offense right now with with backup quarterback Gardner Minshew, they're scoring almost 28 points per game. They're sixth in the NFL in scoring, and this defense that we thought was going to be, you know, maybe a, a unit that was going to flirt with being a top 10 unit, considering all the talent they had coming back and the continuity from last year. You know, right now they're they're last in the NFL in scoring, primarily because, as you said, Andy, they're giving up uh, at least 37 points. Points per game uh, in these last three. It's the first time the Colts have done that since 2018. So they got to get some things figured out. And you know, it starts in the secondary for me this weekend. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do uh, in the back end, primarily because you know, last week they went away from Daryl Baker Jr. They tried uh, things with with Tony Brown. Obviously, you know that went the way it did. So now they've got a couple of options. They can put Kenny Moore on the outside, which I know they're reluctant to do, and I understand that. Uh, They can put Tony at nickel, uh, or they can leave Kenny outside and bring uh, Julian Blackman down at nickel. He's played that some. You know, he did that in a pinch last year when Kenny was hurt towards the end of the season. That means Nick Cross would play some more safety if they did that and moved Julian to nickel. They can do a lot of different things. I mean, it doesn't matter that Stephon Gilmore's not here anymore. It doesn't matter that Brandon Faison and Juju Brents aren't going to play on Sunday. you got to play with, with uh, the euchre hand that you've been dealt there, and you're going to have to make some things happen. You know, the, there's your analogy, KB. Look Win a couple that. of tricks. Yeah. I like that. You know? we're, we're, well, we're struggling to, struggling to find a jack right now, or a bower right now at the old cornerback position. You need, a, you need position. an off-suit ace in that secondary, <laughs> right? you know, to kind of mm-hmm. draw out some some trump. But What about um, Darren Hall off the practice squad? I mean, I I know we're grasping at straws here, but I, I look at his resume, Matt, and, and you know, obviously not a household name, but nine starts with the Falcons last year. Former fourth-round pick. He's been on the practice squad, I think, for the vast majority of the season. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I'm throwing a dart at a dartboard here. 
Well, same thing with Amir Speed, too. You know, they picked him up a couple of weeks ago, claimed him from New England, and, you know, is is perhaps, is, is he up to speed, uh, no pun intended, to be able to play on Sunday and give the Colts at least some more options and some more depth pieces uh, in the secondary. And, and the reason, you know, to take this to take this home is, the reason why it's fascinating is because, you know, you look at Carolina and their offense, their best player, at least on that side of the ball, catching the ball is Adam Thielen. And I know they can move him around a little bit. Um, they, they just try to free him up as, as best they can, watching a little bit of film. You know, he'll go in motion, stacks and bunches and stuff like that. But predominantly uh, this year and, and for his career, he's one of the best slot receivers in the NFL, which means you would want your best player matched up on him, and that would be Kenny Moore. So do you leave Kenny Moore into the slot just for this game, trying to slow down uh, Adam Thielen, who's got 57 catches on the season. He ranks sixth in the NFL in catches. He has three times as many catches on this team for the Panthers than the next guy. Uh, it, it's it's crazy how much they're relying on him. He's got 33% of the team's catches on the season, which is the third highest rate in the NFL uh, so far this year. So perhaps this is a game where you leave Kenny Moore in at slot because of the slot receiver matchup on Adam Thielen. But um, you know, I'm not paid to make those decisions. That's what Gus Bradley's going to have to figure out this week. He and Ron Miles and some of those other coaches trying to figure out what their best personnel lineup is, trying to slow down Bryce Young in that passing game. All right, Matt, last one, and it's a pretty notable injury report on this Friday morning. The guys that have not practiced all week, now the Colts did have a walkthrough on Wednesday, Juju Brents, Zaire Franklin, Braden Smith. Then the two guys that popped up on it yesterday, Blake Freeland, uh, did not participate due to a back injury, and uh, uh, Josh Downs was limited due to a knee. If you're talking about just for Sunday, who would you label as the most important out of those five names? Man, that's that's like... That's like a, a five-way tie almost. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I think you can make compelling cases for several of them. Yeah, you know, I, I, I guess if I, if you're forcing me to pick one, um, man, I, it's got to be between either uh, Freeland or or uh, or Downs. I mean, Downs is just so prolific right now for the Colts' offense with the big plays and just that that synergy and that chemistry he's on right now with Gardner Minshew. Seems like every time the Colts need a, a pivotal catch or a third down conversion, it's downs. But then, you know, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. You know, if, if you can't protect Gardner Minshew, he can't get the ball to downs. That's where Blake Freeland comes in. So, I don't know. I guess it's a tie for both of those guys. I mean, not downplaying sure. the, the significance of a loss of, of uh, Zaire Franklin because he has he's never missed a game, right? So if he doesn't play on Sunday, it'll be the first time in his career that he'll be on the sidelines watching um but i think you know with with shaq leonard's um his his usage ramping up and ej speed i think you can get by there i think you have a really good um you know backup linebacker and grant stewart as well i mean that guy just plays with his hair on fire every time he's in there um so again not down playing zaire franklin but i guess if you're making me pick it it'd be kind of half freeland half uh, downs um considering their contributions on offense yeah not, definitely not an easy answer it'll be something to watch here later today all right matt as always man thanks for the time bob knight story outstanding frankenstein analogy for sunday very good as well uh, safe travels to charlotte enjoy the nascar hall of fame and we'll talk to you next week are you we talking to bar- you from germany you left out the barbecue man what barbecue that? yeah 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 it's mustard based there right isn't that the carolina barbecue it's mustardy yeah yeah that's yeah, yep. good yep. stuff yeah we're gonna have to figure out the uh, the old time change for next friday 
if you yeah, don't mind. You're, yeah, no doubt. We're going to have to figure that out. I'm, I'm still not even sh- sure what uh, what time zone we're on or what they're on because the, we're falling back and they're skipping ahead. And, yeah, I've, I've got no idea. So just call me, and if I'm up, we'll talk. Hey, man, I love it. Safe travels, man. All right, boys, be good.